episode 32 of Beers, Business, and Balls. This show is always presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. And, of course, by Dugout Creative. Best concept merch on the market, not just baseball. There's some basketball gear out. There's the Hale Murray shirt now for Kyler Murray, if you're a fan of the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to give you 15% off anything in the store if you use the code BBBPOD. Go get yourself a comfortable T-shirt, a short-sleeve hoodie. We've been told there's some long-sleeve hoodies coming out, too. Get it while you can, folks. BBB Pod for 15% off anything in the store. Jake Zimmer, Will Tondo, episode 32 here on November 24th. College basketball is coming back on the 25th. This is very good. We have Kevin McNamara from formerly the Providence Journal joining us this week. He is doing some really cool stuff with a podcast called the 401 Podcast. He just had Dick Vitale on, uh, our good friend Ed Cooley, all that good stuff. So we we sit down with Kevin and talk some college basketball. I know, Will, you just crossed your fingers because there's 9 billion programs on pause right now for COVID tests. But we made it to Thanksgiving. I'll take that. Everyone's still alive. I mean, we're barely clinging on in society, but we're here. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that the fact that I mean, we're talking about college sports and not professional sports. You know, the NFL has kind of figured it out where a COVID test happens and games can still happen in that same week. They isolate, they put them on the non-COVID reserve list and they call it a day. But with college basketball, whether it's a coach, a personnel, a staff or a player, if anyone gets tested positive, they're shutting down the program, you know, not shutting down, but suspending temporarily. Um, we saw it with Brian. Brian was supposed to head over to Syracuse, which would have been an awesome experience to watch and witness. Um, I just found out they still are too. That's that game is still going to happen. They just won't open. So, but Bayheim, yeah. he literally tested positive and that almost put the kibosh on that. Which is, I mean, it's unfortunate, but still, I mean, but other programs, I mean, I just saw that the Baylor coach, uh, yeah, he just tested positive uh, programs across the country. So let's hope that we can, you know, navigate this navigate this through smoothly and uh get some college basketball whether it's just in conference play and a couple of out of conference plays but you know very looking forward to college basketball and uh hopefully a march madness will be in our near futures keep your damn fingers crossed folks the good news is a lot of freelancers going back to work i've got three games this week very happy and the only way that i'm going to make it through college basketball and all these games is by drinking a lot of beer to keep myself not during the games after to be very clear so let's review some beer i had a good selection this week but we will start with you you've got a golden stout so cheers to you yeah so cheers uh i got one of my favorites in long island i'm home for thanksgiving we're at north fork brewing company shout out ian van borgendine great great brewery in riverhead um, I got a golden stout with lactose. Um, they use the coffee from North Fork oh. Company, another local uh, brand in the area, and uh, roasted some cacao nibs. And it was originally brewed for Ian's wedding back, um, I believe that was actually over a year uh, over a year ago. But it's one of those beers where you crack open and you know it's a golden stout, but the second you crack it open, you smell it. You're like, oh, this thing has rich dark colors like you smell it and you're like this is going to be a dark stout even though it says it right in the name it's a golden stout and you pour it and it has this light golden color but you can smell like you just opened up a coffee pot just had some french some french roast some french press um great great crisp beer warms you up right away very light too it's not not too heavy you can have a couple of them and not feel too full but great great beer four out of five for me <clears throat> love a golden stout you don't get too many of them too there's not many golden stouts in the market um but really enjoyed this one from north fork people fuck up golden stouts all the time and it's easy to make a shit golden stout so um it's half percent too yeah that's really good I, i've had a couple of golden stouts i honestly can really only even name you two uh that i've had and people try to do too much with them. They try to put like mocha and all this stuff. And when you know what you're doing, when you're a stout expert, like people like Treehouse, um, when you know what you're doing with stouts, you can do a lot. But when you don't, um, th there's nothing worse than a shitty stout. Like you are 
when you're drinking a stout, you're feeling some type of way. Like you want to indulge in chocolate and all these dessert flavors. And then when you don't get that, you're like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. So it's kind of like, I mean, definitely far comparison, but it's like, <clears throat> I always compare stouts to like Chinese food. It's like <laughs> you have good Chinese food and you have bad Chinese food. It's not like, oh, this was all right. Or, oh, that was amazing. It's either good or bad. And that's the same with stouts. You know, yeah. it's like a very good stout or a very bad stout. Yeah. There's never an all right Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> and there's never an all right stout. That's damn. That's a good comparison. Because it's also like, you have to be someone that like, if you're a beer drinker and you like your variety, mm -hmm. like if you're a true craft beer drinker and willing to taste anything and try anything, it's like, you will obviously include stouts into your, in your palate of taste. Right. And so you already know what you're going in when you're grabbing a stout, whether it's a golden or a traditional, you want those rich, dark wintry flavors. So if you don't like that drinking to begin with, you're not going to enjoy a stout. So it's like, you know, you take the positives and be like, wow, I can taste the flavor. It's really rich. It warms me up. You know, it has a great aroma. It's brewed with X, Y, and Z or eh, they really didn't hit it. And it's the same with Chinese food. I agree. That's a great comparison. We will be reviewing a lot of stouts to come. Uh, I think we're going to try to make one at some point too. Um, I can't wait to roast like some cocoa in the uh in the oven and have our apartment smell like chocolate for like two weeks i can't wait for that eggs um cinnamon if you wanted to get crazy coffee everything yeah yeah that, that'll be fun so stout season's coming we're, we're almost there the golden stout's a nice transition into it here i had uh i went to a, a good place called dr duff's lost and found project in johnson rhode island this past weekend Excellent beer list. It was kind of like a divey place. It was very much reminded me of a, a Camp Nowhere for those Rhode Island folks that are listening. Uh, $3 everything. I had a sour from our good friends at Fab Fermentation Arts. We had the opportunity to meet the founder at a beer festival. That guy was something else. I've never met anything, never met anyone like this guy that founded Fab. Um, had a beer called Electric Plankton. It was really good. It was a sour IPA. Uh, you don't see a lot of those. And a guava. It had uh, very tart, fruity flavors. Um, very sour, but it, you know, I, I typically don't like the, the pure sour ales. I do like the sour IPAs. This nailed it. I'll give that. Um, I don't know if I even rated it on Untapped when I tagged you, but I am going to give this a four. Really liked it. Um, fab, fermentation arts. That's a weird story. Weird, weird story. The guy defected from Aeronaut Brewing Company and started this. Uh, they do a lot of crazy shit over at Fab. So I enjoyed it. Sour IPAs. Quite a collision of flavors. And you actually just mentioned Electric Plankton was the name. I didn't even give the name of the Golden Stout. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. You just said North Fork. Yeah. If anyone's uh, um, <laughs> curious for the name, it's a. Uh, North Fork, Long Island uh, Delicacy with uh, North Fork Brewing Company and uh, North Fork Roasting Company. And then, of course, Jake had Electric Plankton, which do you know the true name of Fab? It's Fermentation Arts Brewing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we met Fab Brewing back at the Rhode Island Beer Festival. They're a very, they're interesting folk. They have a uh, very creative and outside the box marketing with their can designs. And you can look them up online to see what we're talking about. Um, but again, if you're one that is willing to try different types of beers and be able to, um, like I said, just try new things, they're definitely a brewery in the New England area where you should check out because whether it's the sour IPAs or different exper experimental beers, you um, Fab, Fab offers it all. And uh, they're not my favorite, but they're pretty good. Yeah, Fab's bizarre. <laughs> they really are. So uh, check out Fab. Of course, North Fork is a favorite on the show here, um, but Fab is one that we haven't talked about. We might have alluded to it before, but uh, both good selections. Let's talk about business this week. Man, a lot of good stuff. I mean, the market over the past couple of weeks has been wild. If you owned 
any tech stock, congratulations. If you owned any electric vehicle stock, congratulations. If you own Lordstown Motors, our favorite ticker symbol ride, big congratulations to you. You made a lot of money. But if you owned Disney, starting a couple of weeks ago, if you owned Disney, congratulations. And I wish that you will take me out to a steak because you can afford one, certainly. Disney is up uh, wild numbers over the past month. They went from a, a low of 118 back on October 28th, and now they're at 145. Uh, they have been trading in the 140s this week, and Disney has long been a stock that people were kind of divided about. The bulls were saying, you know, Disney in their new streaming service, it's going to be a hit. The bears saying, no, it's too saturated there's a lot of stuff going on they're going to lose park revenue all this good stuff and now disney's had one of their best weeks of all time so congratulations for you disney owners yeah and it's crazy to see i mean you know when you originally think of disney you you know you think of the the parks and you think of the travel industry and you think of their cruise lines and stuff but disney pivoted um, last year when they created their streaming service and it obviously helped them during this pandemic, but it's just crazy to look at that Disney, you know, with their parks being closed, lost over two and a half billion dollars in revenue. They canceled their cruise lines until February 1st and somehow Disney is up a huge amount and that's just due to their streaming services and the fact that they're just this conglomerate. Um, you know, you, when you think about the five major, you know, key components of the stock market and of America in terms of business. You think of Disney, you think of um, Google, you think of Microsoft, you think of Facebook, you think of Apple. And Disney is just one of those things where it's like Fox News and uh, SportsCenter, ESPN, and all of these things. It's like they are making money in so many different ways that they can lose all this revenue with their main focus that everyone thought of the parks and still be profitable company. Yeah, it's exactly right. And it's kind of wild because the immediate pundits at the beginning were saying, Disney is going to screw this up. There is a bad idea for them to go into streaming when there's so many players already in the streaming industry. You look at folks like ESPN who kind of had a similar strategy that Disney did. Of course they're owned by the same company. Disney owns both of them, but um ESPN, when they came out with all this on-demand content, it was very similar to what the people were saying about um, about Disney, uh, about Disney Plus and their streaming service. And basically, people didn't know if it would work, but now Disney is up to 7.32, I think, million subscribers uh, of people that are paying to watch their content. So big stuff from Disney here. I think it's silly to doubt a streaming service in general. Yeah, I mean, Disney's just, oh, it's just, it's one of those companies where I wish I owned. And, you know, you look at their numbers and you're like, oh, Disney's going to fall and they, and they prosper through. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, we were talking about this off the air before, but it's like Netflix. It's like everyone, you know, is so, so worrisome or, you know, very bearish on Netflix and they continue to rise. And the conversation kind of transpired into like, hey, I think, Netflix might be the, the industry leader now, but they could be acquired. And, you know, one of these conglomerates are going to acquire them because we were talking off air being like every week we decide what the stock of the week is. And, you know, we could, we could have said Tesla who's up over a hundred dollars and whatever percent amount. And That's just absurd. Yeah. Which is just absurd. And we can talk about Amazon, how they just, you know, release their Amazon pharmacy after acquiring PillPack last year and their huge increase in their impact in the market. But Disney is one of those companies where it's like, they are not afraid to grow and take over, you know, different markets that no one has expected them to. And streaming is now this new thing. It's like Amazon could acquire Netflix. Right. Right. And like no one expected Duncan to get acquired, but they did. And they were the industry leaders in cheap coffee and breakfast and fast food breakfast. So you don't know. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's very worrisome to have, you know, only five or six major companies controlling everything, but that's how the trajectory is, is leading towards right now. And Disney is going to be one of those major partners where 
don't be surprised if they, you know, buy an airline stock when travel gets, gets better, or, you know, they invest into more real estate and hotels and stuff like that, because the hotel industries are drastically hurting, you know, big bad Walt Disney could come in and start purchasing that up and, you know, getting people out of debt and saving them from this pandemic. So a lot of craziness, a lot of craziness, but Disney is the stock of the week because of their uh, pivot towards the pandemic. Make a nice point about Netflix. They, when they started in this business, they turned down multiple offers, but it was known. Reed Hastings, who's the CEO and founder of Netflix, he made it very known that Netflix was worth a lot more than people thought it was. And this is when they were mailing DVDs to people's house to have them rent them. And everyone was like, Netflix is a surefire company that might get acquired. And then they didn't. And now everyone's like, Netflix is, you know, their own thing, their original and all this stuff. And Reed Hastings is certainly playing the lip service game to everybody and saying, well, that's what we are. But you bet your ass if Amazon or somebody like that comes knocking on his door, he's going to have a nice long conversation about how much Netflix is worth and the price is right. He's going to take it. <sighs> such craziness, such craziness. But at the end of the day, I mean, stocks are, the stock market overall is doing well. I mean, uh, the Dow Jones is up like 300 plus points and the S&P 500 is up. Um, even with all this craziness with the pandemic and the uncertainty with the election and all that craziness, it's like the stocks keep going up, which is, uh, it's one of those dangerous things because people start seeing green and they get complacent. And it's like, again, we're not financial advisors, but just be careful with your money going forward. That's for sure. Invest with caution. Um, but if you own Disney this week, congratulations to you. Hold on to that for a long time. So before we talk about college basketball, we'll talk about football. Um, I said it a couple of weeks ago. I hate the Baltimore Ravens this year. I hate them. A lot of money came in on the Tennessee Titans this week. I stayed away from that game. Um, I did not want to back up any selection I had with any sort of monetary value. And the game, honestly, it went exactly as I expected. I think the the Ravens did not control that game um, except maybe the third quarter, which was essentially meaningless. Um, The Ravens, I don't know what happened to Lamar Jackson. He looked good. He did not look like Lamar Jackson from last year. So I'm just going to say it. I think the Ravens are massive pretenders this year. They are pretenders. And that's the Baltimore Ravens for me. I 100% agree. And it's going to be, it's going to be so difficult because the Ravens, you know, they, they don't have a tough schedule ahead, but they have some games that they need to prove themselves. Well, right now there's supposed to be a COVID outbreak with the team and both their running backs are out. J.K. Dobbins and Mark I did not hear this. J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram both have COVID. Gus Edwards is their lead running back. Give the ball to baby Gus. Yeah, but you know who they're playing on Thanksgiving? Uh, the big bad Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers, who are ten and out. Right now, the Browns, who I don't think I don't think the Browns are contenders. I still think they're pretenders. You know, congratulations, you beat the Eagles. The Eagles are. <laughs> um, the Ravens might be one of the best teams that missed the playoffs because right now, you know, you're looking at the AFC East, the AFC rather, right? There's those three wild card spots. I put the Titans ranked over the Ravens right now. And I think the Colts are going to win that division. So therefore the Titans are your one. If the Browns are better than the Ravens in record, they're your number two. That leaves the rest of the AFC which will leave either the Dolphins, maybe the Pats. Um, what other division am I missing? Oh, the Raiders. Yeah, the AFC West. Raiders the Broncos Chiefs. Are, are, are a dark horse. You know, the, uh. Ravens, the Ravens, if they don't get their shit together, could miss the playoffs. Oh, they could. It's not even – yeah, that's not a question. They could absolutely miss the playoffs. They could. It's crazy. So, you know, the Ravens, I mean, they are so down on my trust tree. Um, they, they are pretenders. They are big time pretenders. Yep. I agree. Um, 
I mean, I saw you had the Patriots listed in the pretenders bracket. I still think they're not good enough to be listed in the pretenders. I think they are. The Patriots are a good, bad team. They're not a good team. They're a good, bad team. (laughs) They are a bad team that shows flashes of goodness. I will never forget seeing Cam Newton in the second. No, it was the third quarter. He threw, that might have been the best throw of his career to Demir Bird. Demir Bird runs a nice fly route and burns one of the safeties, and he hit him so beautifully in stride. I go, holy shit, that was beautiful. And then the Patriots' defense can't back them up. It's disgusting. You play the Texans, and you can't – you let them drop, what was it, 27 points on them? Disgusting. They're not good. Um, I don't know what the hell happened to Steph Gilmore. He is the reigning defensive player of the year. I and he acts like he should not even be he, he's not even good this year I don't I don't get it the Patriots suck that's the bottom line yeah and I think the difficult part about the Patriots it's like we came into the season you know with everyone had no, low expectations on the Patriots then they started winning games and Cam Newton looked very good you know Cam Newton looked like the MVP that he was and everyone's like hey fuck it the Pats can make some moves And then they started losing, you know, they cut it close to the Jets and they, you know, lost to the Bills and all this stuff. And everyone's all out in the pads. Everyone's like, fuck the Pats, fuck the Pats, fuck the Pats. Then they beat the Ravens in the Rain Gate game. And everyone's like, hey. Rain Gate, (laughs) it's a thing now. Uh, Everyone's like, hey, you know, ride ride the wave right now. We're going to the playoffs. And then you blow it against the Texans. And the Texans, I mean – the Texans are a bad team. They have a very good quarterback. Deshaun Watson is a very good quarterback, but they're a bad team. The Pats just like caught. They made Deshaun Watson look like Warren Moon. The Houston Texans had about almost 400 yards of offense, and Deshaun Watson accounted for 95% of it. Yep. Like that is absurd. Like it is. I mean, I'm not saying the Texans are contenders whatsoever. They're not, um, but the Pats need to like just call it quits and start, you know, focusing on your draft. You know, congratulations. You know, this is the first time ever you're going to have a top 15 pick. Don't trade it away and like start building your building your core. But I mean, you got to give credit to the Texans because they expose the Patriots biggest weakness and it's a leaky secondary. It's a it's a below average secondary that has a very promising younger guy in J.C. Jackson for sure. Um, what, uh, what on paper, who the Pats are not showing any fucking love, JC Jackson. I, I know he is. He is. I don't. I wouldn't say he's a Pro Bowler, but she, he should be named in the conversation. The Pats wouldn't even throw him on the ballot. Well, that that was arguably due to incentives, but that's for another conversation. I mean, it's <laughs> it's common. It's I don't agree with it, but one of the things that the business. Pats that like are is kind of getting brushed under the rug. It's like how many players opted out. And no one's really like identifying that. Like you do, you guys are going to have some big name players return to the Pats next year. A Patrick Chung, for example, um, who helps bolster that secondary. He's a little bit older, but he's still a veteran presence that can still ball. Like, I don't think the Pats are like, they're fucking God awful. Like they still have a good roster, but like the Pats had some tough games against the schedule. Like, you know, their schedule lightens out towards the end, but I mean, you're not going to make the playoffs even with this expanded format, just like, I, I still think the pass should try out Stidham, but that's a whole nother conversation. I Cam, think so too. Cam Newton's not your future. He's not your he's not, I mean, you know, he's not. He's not. It was a fun um, experiment. It's fun to watch him. It just ain't it. Fine. He's a, he's a holdover quarterback to get us from one area to another. Done with it. I'm, I'm good with it. I will appreciate Cam for what he's – done this year it hasn't been much but he's won some good games he's flashed some good moments and that's all i've got you know patriots suck say that comment though it's like he's a holdover quarterback from one to another we don't know who that another another is and i don't think we will for a while so you should at least try stidham sure I, i don't i wouldn't hate it but at the same time um i don't know so bottom line is we, we're, we're highlighting two pretenders this week, the Ravens. Uh, it, that's going to be a big one this week. We're going to really know after the Steelers what the Ravens are going to end up doing. 
Like to be honest with you, I I don't think you know we're 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 only gonna know who the Ravens are after this big big game with the Steelers on Thanksgiving. Um, the Patriots, I think you know they're playing the Cardinals, so goodbye to that game. Um, a shout out to Arizona Cardinals too, real quick before we move on to Kevin. You know they they've had they've had a good past couple of weeks. You know a tough loss on Thursday, but. Um, that's water under the bridge. I mean, they took one from the Seahawks already. I mean, it's arguably to say that the NFC West is the best division in football because, like, you can look at that team. If Garoppolo and Nick Boza and Solomon Thomas and Richard Sherman and George Kittle don't get hurt, like, there is a possibility where three of, like, all four of those teams make the playoffs. Like, yep. You know, which is like unheard of. It's unheard of to even have three in the playoffs, but it's like, you know, I confidently can say that there will be two teams, obviously the division winner, whoever it might be, whether it's the Seahawks, Cardinals, or Rams, obviously get the host the playoffs. The number two team will probably host the playoffs. And I think the number three team will sneak into that wild card. And it's either going to be, you know, luck of the draw on, Seahawks win, Rams win, or Cardinals. Like those three teams can all ball out and they're all so different. Like the Seahawks have a fiery offense, lackluster defense. The Cardinals are a mix of both. The Rams have a very good defense and an average offense. So it's like who what who wins out the games that they need for the future, uh, the future schedule. Yep. A lot of NFL to come. We will, of course, have you the entire way. Maybe we'll get a football guest on in the next couple of weeks, too. We'll see. Let's go into college basketball now. We've got Kevin McNamara from formerly the Providence Journal. He's now the, I guess, the the jack-of-all-trades and the wearer of all hats for Kevin Mack Sports, uh, the host of the 401 podcast, too. We will still be covering all things college basketball and the Providence Friars for this upcoming year. He's got a lot of good stories about his time at Syracuse, uh, covering the journal as a young kid, and all the the holidays and big tournaments that he's been on for both the Rams of URI and the Friars. So without further ado, here's Kevin McNamara. All right, everybody. With us this week, if you are a New England sports fan or a PC Friars fan, you have definitely have heard the name. With over 30 years of experience in the sport journalism world, Formerly from the Providence Journal and now the host of the 401 podcast, we have Kevin McNamara joining us live right before Thanksgiving. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Will, and uh, you and Jake. Uh, ha- happy to chat with you guys for a while. You guys do a good job. Thank you. Appreciate it. And there's a lot of news coming up and we'll, you know, we'll just get right into it with all, you know, between the NBA draft and all of the college sports news. I feel like Twitter, you couldn't even look. It was between who drafted, who got traded and which teams were getting canceled in the college world. Um, but we'll backtrack a little first, you know, to start off, Kevin, tell us, you know, who is Kevin McNamara and give us a little story about uh, your experience and your journey into sports. Yeah, sure. I, um, Grew up in Rhode Island. I grew up in Coventry, Rhode Island. Uh, loved sports, played a lot of youth sports. <clears throat> Graduated from Coventry High School. I went to Syracuse University uh, and during a great time. I knew I wanted to be involved in sports. I, I thought I wanted to be a coach, in all honesty. Um, and I was into advertising a little bit at school and then quickly got into the writing side and I realized that uh, that's a pretty cool way to stay really close to the action. Uh, my one and only job was at the Providence Journal. Uh, I had an internship uh, before, uh, before I graduated from college. And um, I had a great run at the Journal over 30 years, did an awful lot, uh, everything from you know NBA Finals, World Series, Super Bowls, uh, NHL Finals, pretty much, you know, live the uh, New England sports ride that we've been on uh, not only for the last 10 years that you guys can recall, but uh, there's, there's been a lot of positives over the last 30 years. Uh, but my, my bread and butter though, here in Rhode Island certainly has been college basketball. And I've been the beat writer for Providence college uh, basketball for, for 30 years. Kevin, you and, just, and now I, now I have a new website. Uh, it's kevinmacksports.com. Uh, so uh, as I tell people, I didn't die and I did not retire. <laughs> <laughs> I 
those are we're, we're gr very grateful for both of those things for sure yeah. um appreciate that kevin you just said that you originally wanted to be a coach and from all your experiences was it that was it that goal that you wanted to get to was it you know, kind of, I need to be a basketball coach or bust, or maybe what was the original dream for you? And, and why was it coaching? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I knew I loved, I love basketball more than any other sport. Uh, I, I, was, I was decent at it. I was not a college level player, um, but I knew I wanted to be involved. It's a funny story. So uh, I'm old. So this is during the 1980s. Uh, Rick Pitino is at Providence and Brendan Malone is the coach at URI. And uh, I'm at Syracuse. I go into Syracuse uh, to the coach's office and talk to an assistant coach. I said, I want to work some camps this summertime. I said, okay, well, you can do um, our camp, big orange camp at the Carrier Dome on uh, you know June, first three weeks of June. And then uh, go home and call this guy, Brendan Malone. He's a coach at URI. He's a friend. Uh, you can do two weeks there. And then... Uh, you know, Coach Patino knows uh, work for Coach Beheim, so you can do two. So I had like the entire month, and you know how much I was going to get paid for that entire month? Zero. So you know, I did need some money, uh, and my I had an uncle at the time who was a uh, mortgage uh, banker, and he called, uh, and he said, uh, "What are you doing this summer?" I said, "I'm going to you know uh, help out at these basketball camps all over the East." And he said, "Well, you can do that." Or you can help me uh, rewrite some mortgages and you do some uh, basically footwork and we'll give you $150 a house. I said, well, how many houses can I do? He says, if you're not lazy, you can do at least two houses a day. So I'm like, hmm, $300 a day <laughs> versus zero for six weeks. Uh, I'll never forget the call to Brendan Malone at URI. He, he wasn't happy that, that, that this... Uh, college kid working for free wouldn't be working for free anymore so <laughs> that was kind of the end of my potential coaching career and uh, I worked in the sports information office at Syracuse and we had a great football team at the time and the basketball was what you would expect in the 1980s uh, Pearl Washington Derek Coleman Ronnie Cycli, Sherman Douglas it was it was big time and that's great to hear. I mean, you definitely were very lucky to have like the sports with Syracuse to follow along. I mean, that's no slouch of a program, not only basketball and football, but lacrosse as well. And having a lot of big names come out of that school. But then you trans uh, transition into the Providence Journal. And we really want to get into your career there. But one comment I just wanted to make, you know, you just mentioned how earlier in your introduction that you got to cover the World Series, the, you know, all the championship runs with Boston, right? Mm -hmm. no, I don't think any other city in the country could have someone just hop in and be able to cover all of these championships. So like, that's pretty awesome to have that experience under your belt. And it's not like you, you know, went to Kansas city and all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, we have one world series and one uh, super bowl. Like <laughs> in the past 20 years, you had, you had a pretty good run with the Providence journal, but tell us okay. how you got your foot in the door there. Uh, yeah, you know, back, back in the 80s, uh, you know, newspapers were absolutely killing it, you know, really making a lot of money. Uh, any, every, anyone and everyone was a subscriber. Uh, kids our age, your age, uh, and my age as, as a uh, you know, high school kid even, I couldn't wait for the newspaper to come. Uh, it's just a totally different world now, you know, 35 years later. Uh, but they had paid internships. And I was fortunate to get a paid internship at the Journal, uh, again, before my senior year. And basically, uh, I was able to cover the Pawtucket Red Sox. Um, that was my main thing. You know, obviously, some full-time staffers were doing it as well. But there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of AAA games in the summer. So I saw an awful lot of them. Uh, the stars of the team that year would be Ellis Burks. He went on to a long, you know, 17, 18-year major league career. Mike Greenwell was was getting going. He was a future MVP uh, with, with the Red Sox. So it, it, it was great. And then a year later, you know, I graduate. There's really nothing going on. I'm um, bartending down in Westerly at a beer bar at a, a beach bar. It was outstanding and you know, kind of looking for some stuff. So I turned down a job in Iowa City, Iowa. I was going to cover the women's basketball team and help out in college football at Iowa. Uh, I'm glad I said no. Uh, because the journal called a few months after I graduated and uh, I covered some high schools for about a year, covered URI basketball, 
Uh, Al Skinner was the head coach. He was great, great guy to learn from, uh, learn the business from, and then uh, transitioned to Providence. And uh, Rick Barnes was the head coach at the time. And um, it's been a, it's been a long run ever since. So two major programs that you had the opportunity to cover when you started at the journal were the Rhode Island Rams and the Providence Friars. And in reading your 30 year recap, a couple of months ago, I was in awe by how much you really got to do as such a young journalist. I, I see Paris complete with Christmas Eve mass at Notre Dame with the, uh, with the Rams and, uh, with the Friars. Oh, that was with the Friars, yes. And then with the Rams, that was actually at the Garden uh, for one of the holiday festivals there. You made a good point. I, it was yeah. hard not to look around and pinch myself. How yeah. surreal was it, or did you have a moment where you looked around, maybe it was at the Garden, where you looked around and said, I can't believe I get to do this as a career? Yeah, I, I, I do. You know, I, I appreciate uh, you calling up that uh, column because uh, it, that was the very first maybe road trip that I took uh, as a as a journal employee, and it happened to be the holiday festival, which is a two day, two night you know uh, event down at uh, Madison Square Garden. I had been in the garden several several times as a student at Syracuse, uh, cheering on my team for the Big East tournament and whatnot. Uh, but I do remember that national anthem, and I'm looking you know around the uh, around the garden. There's not many people there. I I can't recall who who Rody played, but I do recall pinching myself that, uh, you know, this is pretty cool. I'm 22 years old, 23 years old, whatever it is, and um, covering an Atlantic 10 team. And uh, it, it's in the biggest basketball. You know, actually, it was funny. At that time, it wasn't the most famous basketball arena in America. The Boston Garden was, I'm sorry. Uh, but now, certainly, Madison Square Garden uh, tops them all. So... What other moments stick out in your career that kind of just like, like you just said, you had to pinch yourself and say like, wow, I'm really doing this. Is there any other, you know, whether it's uh, an actual game or walking into a venue or introducing yourself to somebody, is there any moments that really stick out to you and be really be like, wow, I, I can't believe that I'm living this life. You know, well, there's a, there's a ton of them. And, you know, to be honest with you, as the years went on, it wasn't, you know, gee whiz, you know, this is a cool job. It was, uh, you kind of take on more responsibility and you kind of grow into your profession. And, but there were certain moments. So my guy, everyone has a guy growing up, right? If you're a sports fan, you, you have a guy. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you guys, who was who, who your guy? Who was on your wall? Who was on your phone? I'll ask you guys first before I tell you my story. It was, it was Derek Jeter for me. Derek Jeter for baseball. I'm like, okay. Derek yeah, Jeter. I mean, yeah, probably Derek Jeter was like the number one. Keep in mind, Kevin, we're Yankee fans, so it probably would have been someone like Big Poppy or Manny Ramirez or someone like that, right? I, I understand. Uh, <laughs> well, mine was Larry Bird. So um, Providence is playing Purdue, and Purdue is like maybe an hour and 20 minutes from Indianapolis. So uh, we fly in on a Friday night, and uh, I stay myself and I, I, I grabbed Joe Hassett, who's the analyst uh, for Providence on the radio. I said, Joey, let, let, let's stay overnight in an Indy. We'll go to see the Pacers because Austin Crochere is playing for the Pacers. Austin was a great player at Providence. Um, and actually we went out to eat afterwards with Austin. So it was great. And next morning we, we go down to Purdue and see the Friars. Uh, well, that was great. It was great to see Austin. He was, I'd say, maybe three or four years into his career, really starting to play an awful lot with the Pacers. But the head coach was one Larry Bird. And uh, obviously, I had to do a story. So I had to get some Larry Bird talking about Austin Crozier. And Larry comes out and he does his pregame. And he, you know, who knows what the local press asked him, but they might, it might have been uh, Mark Jackson, I think, was with the team. And certainly Reggie Miller was the star of the team. Um, but no one's asking about Austin Crozier. So he finishes, he goes back into his uh, office and I, I have to go chit chat with Larry Bird. And uh, that was pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I, I had covered the Celtics, I'd say a little bit. Larry wrapped it up in 91. So I'd say in uh, 90 and 91, I went up from time to time. I know I covered his, uh, his retirement press conference at the garden. Um, but uh, that's in a scrum. You guys have been in the scrums. There's a lot of people, but to have one-on-one -on -one with Bird uh, was a treat. That was a treat. 
So, Kevin, then, um, you know, you, you covered the Friars. You covered so many great coaches over the years. Um, if you had, I guess, not the, the best coach, if you will, but, you know, the, the one that you were most entertained by or the one that maybe you were surprised at how well they did something or how they managed the media or their interactions with you, which of the Friars coaches did you most enjoy getting to cover? Yeah, th that's a tough question uh, because with the exception really of one, I really enjoyed all of them uh, and they were all very different. So I, I had Rick Barnes, I had Pete Gillen, I had Tim Welsh, uh, Keno Davis, and now Ed Cooley. Uh, and they all had uh, an awful lot of success with the exception of Keno. That was only, that was like a three-year run. That, that was a difficult time for the Friars. It was, it was a bad hire. It didn't go well. It was a really bad fit. Providence is a place where you need a great fit. Uh, Bob Driscoll missed on that one and hit a home run with Ed Cooley, who's like the ultimate fit guy at Providence. But, you know, going back again, Rick Barnes really taught me an awful lot about college basketball. You know, I, I had thought I had some answers after coming out of Syracuse and whatnot and dealing with Jim Beheim, but uh, to see how hard Rick had to work and the success he had uh, at Providence, no great NCA runs, but the guy could recruit. I mean, he had a wave of NBA guys from Michael Smith to Eric Murdoch to Dickie Simpkins to Eric Williams uh, to Austin Crozier, you know, just, and, and then, you know, Pete comes in, I, I would say Pete Gillen, uh, if you had to win one game, he might be the Providence coach who I would uh, nominate. Uh, uh, he always, he would see what his team had. Uh, at the time, the Big East was absolutely loaded. Everyone from Iverson to Ray Allen to, you know, John Wallace, you know, just a load of great players. And Pete Gillen had good players. You know, he, he had a team in 97 that went to the Elite Eight that, that could have, should have made the Final Four. But talent-wise, uh, Providence wasn't in the top five of the Big East. May, maybe even not even close to the top five. And Pete always had them, you know, in the running. He beat Duke in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he, he was a hell of a coach. And obviously an unbelievable guy to cover. He's just a, you know, a sweetheart of a guy and super funny. Um, fans really enjoyed him. Uh, Tim Welsh, I, I, I think Tim Welsh, he did more to elevate the program, the things around the program. Uh, uh, you know, uh, funding of the program, uh, adding to the coaching staff, uh, everything except the Ruane Center, which uh, Tim Welsh was promised the Ruane Center 15 years ago, and it didn't happen until Ed Cooley came and, and pushed the fundraising over the line. Uh, and I think that's been a huge part of Providence. And then uh, obviously Ed Cooley has done a great job at Providence. It's a different Big East, uh, but it's a Big East where Providence finally fits. Uh, no one would want to be the Providence coach and coach back uh, in the Big East that, uh, you know, Welsh and Barnes and Gillen uh, coached in. It, it, was, it was a challenging, challenging job. It still is challenging, but it definitely is easier to win a Providence now than it was uh, back then. And you talk about Ed Cooley, and that kind of brings us to our next point where, you know, we're listening to some of your new episodes of the 401 podcast and you had Ed Cooley on and you also had URI's coach, uh, David Cox. And of course, the one and only Dick Vitale, which was pretty, pretty <laughs> incredible to have. Um, yeah. So tell us about this new endeavor, you know, your website, your podcast, what are your goals from this and uh, what things are you covering along the way? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I left the journal in May. Um, you know, I was a victim of the virus, in all honesty. You know, uh, again, uh, it's a challenging business. Any business that has advertising, whether it's radio, TV, newspaper, or websites, it's, it's been a challenge. Small business has really gotten crushed in America right now. Uh, so anyways, um, I knew I wanted to stay in sports media to some degree, um, kind of reinventing myself here on the fly. Uh, and really pushing college basketball. You know, that, that, that 30 year following here in Rhode Island, uh, I, I tell people all the time in the summertime, so many people came up to me and said, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna miss you, you know, keep, keep you know, doing what you, you know, we're doing. So basically that's what I did. I, I decided to create my own platform, my own website 
where I'll do a lot of the same writing and, and coverage of college basketball that, that I've done before. But, uh, you know, you got to get into this social media world. So uh, podcast, uh, YouTube channel, stuff that my kids tell me I need to do. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so far, so far, so good. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you guys, I'm really concerned about the season. Um, if this was, you know, if the virus wasn't around and the Friars and Rams and, you know, Bryant and Brown, we're going to play 30 games and we're going to have an NCAA tournament in Providence in March, which is what we were supposed to have. I, I, I thought, you know, I'd hit a home run, but now it's certainly more of a challenge. And transitioning into the season now too, let's talk about the conference that you covered for basically your entire career, the Big East. Uh, looks a little bit different this year. Mostly every poll still has Villanova and Creighton at the top. But then you have this mess in the middle from three to pretty much six or seven. No one really knows who's going to finish where. So let's get your thoughts. What should people be considering when they're ranking up the Big East this year? Yeah, well, let's talk about the Friars first, because I, I think people are, are, are a little ahead of the Friars a little bit, you know, maybe a little, a little too high on the Friars. Uh, they lost four, really five seniors uh, from, from a team that was going to the NCAA tournament. They returned some good players. You know, David Duke is, I, I think he's going to be one of the five best players in the Big East. Uh, Nate Watson is one of the better interior players. Uh, A.J. Reeves is, you know, just loaded with talent, ready to burst out. I think it's finally his time. Um, but Providence has replaced the seniors with transfers. And two transfers who sat out last year uh, in Jared Bynum and Noah Horkler, I, I think both are ready to play right away but they're transfers. And, you know, over the course of my career transfers, usually it takes a little time to, you know, get up and running. Uh, so I think Providence has maybe a few too many new faces for me to get super excited about them right away, but I like the talent. And by the end of the year, they could be pretty good, but here's the problem. They, we don't know how many games they're going to play. We don't know. You know, I, I know that they're going to play really good teams right away, uh, they're playing in the in the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, um, <laughs> where they could end up playing, you know, Indiana, Texas, and North Carolina. I mean, it's a loaded field. I, I don't know if this team is ready for that right away, uh, but they're going to have to be because then they play some Big East games in December as well. So it's just a very different. I think if if this was a normal schedule and Ed Cooley could play his normal non-conference schedule, balance things out. By January one, they could be pretty good. Uh, by January one, they would have, they will have played at least seven high major games. So it's just a very different schedule than, than in the past. But to answer your question, um, I like Seton Hall. I think they're going to be very good. I think people are sleeping on Xavier. I, I think I think they're going to be a challenge, and I can guarantee you that UConn is going to be good. I, I I like their talent. I really like their coach. I know they're really excited to be back in the Big East. Um, I think they're going to lose something by not having the sellout crowds uh, at UConn. Uh, the, the fans there are so excited to be back in the Big East, but you know they won't be able to go to the games. Uh, so it's it's just it's a strange season, guys. Absolutely. Do you have any players in the Big East that you know fans and and viewers should keep an eye out on? Uh, well, maybe we'll go. Maybe we'll go sleepers. Uh, I, I have a sleeper uh, pick who, who I like a lot. I, I like Zach Fremantle. Zach yes. Fremantle is is from uh, Xavier. Um, he, he's an interesting player because you know he, he was a kind of a tough guy freshman last year, and, and now he's got a chance to be very good. Uh, I, I love I love Mamu from Seton Hall. I think he might be the most polished big guy in the league. Uh, I'm kind of rooting for Cole Swider at Villanova. I've known Cole literally since he was seven years old. Uh, he grew up with my son, uh, played an awful lot of AAU ball together. Now, God, he's six foot nine and, and hopefully ready to ready to play an awful lot for uh, for Villanova. I think this is finally going to be his, his his chance. You know, I, every team's got some really good players. I, I love the kid Dunn, the little kid from St. John's, uh, Rasheen Dunn. Really, you know, difficult guy to deal with just because he's just so athletic and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the big time freshman from uh, Marquette Dawson Garcia he's the only McDonald's All-American coming into the league um, but a lot of good players the, the, the Big East I don't think the Big East will be as good as it was last year uh, where seven 
certainly six teams were going to get into the tournament. Um, but, you know, I, I do like Villanova and Creighton. I, I voted both in the top uh, dozen in the AP top 25. So transitioning now to the talent that came out of the Big East this year, uh, as we are recording this, the NBA draft was the night before the recording. So we had Sadiq Bay go. We had some other guys get signed after the draft, which is pretty good. But Kevin, any surprises from the Big East talent pool in the NBA draft? Yeah, you know, guys, I love the NBA draft. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, it. It cracks me up when I see these, uh, you know, a lot of them, my friends, but a lot of these NBA guys, all of a sudden uh, the draft comes around and they start talking about the college guys like they've seen them. They, they, they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, they, they really they really don't. Uh, and that's no knock on them because they haven't had a chance to watch them. They, they watch the NBA all year. Why would you watch, you know, Butler play uh, – you know, Oklahoma. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, that said, I fall for these four-year guys. I appreciate how, how talented they are, but I also appreciate that the NBA has really no interest in them. I mean, no interest in them. It's, it's really hard for Big East fans to realize that uh, Miles Powell and Marcus Howard aren't good enough to get drafted. I mean, at all. Uh, Marcus Howard is one of the top, I think he finished in the top 10 in college basketball history in scoring. I mean, he definitely can put the ball in the basket. It's it, hard for me to believe that there's not a place in the NBA for a Marcus Howard. Now I know he's small. He needs the ball. He's a shot first guy. If, if you, I think, I think there's a spot for him in the NBA. Uh, that said, I get why Sadiq Bay was the number one big East player uh, selected uh, six, eight rangy can shoot the ball. You have to be able to shoot the ball. If you're a big guy, um, clearly would have been if he wasn't the, you know, returning top player in the Big East, he, he'd be really close. And you make a good point. I mean, I'm just checking on Twitter right now because we did get news that Miles Powell will be, uh, you know, an invite, an undrafted free agent for the Knicks. But Marcus Howard, there is no interest right now going on. Yeah, no, no, I, I think he went to the Nuggets. I think I saw that he was okay. going to the, uh, again, free agent, free agent signing with the Nuggets. Okay. Um, and then the right. Celtics... The Celtics picked a four-year player, you know, very good player, Peyton Pritchard. Uh, I get it. Um, I think I think I'd rather have uh, Miles Powell than Marcus Howard. I mean, if I'm going to play a game tomorrow, uh, how they translate to the NBA? Okay, I, I can see Peyton Pritchard. Uh, you know, he's a good player. He's not much better than the other two dudes. Exactly, and I think was one of the interesting things this year. It's like, obviously, you know, they had no combine. Um, they couldn't see potential talent flourish in a March madness. And it kind of showed in the draft because you have all these analysts create their mock drafts. And by the fourth pick, everything kind of got derailed. Uh, Jake and I are both Knicks fans and we were licking at our chops at the fact that Obi Toppin fell to eight. Um, yeah we thought we were going to have to give up the house to trade to four or five to possibly land him if they even wanted him, but they were fortunate enough to, you know, get him. Is there anybody in the draft, whether it's big East or just in general, do you see as a true uh, gem or a true shining player in this uh, upcoming season? You know, the, I, I like Jalen Smith. He ended up going in the first round, the, the, the shooting forward from Maryland. Um, exactly what the Celtics need. You know, 6'9", can step out and shoot, but more importantly, just a great rebounder, shot blocker. Uh, th th those are the big guys that the NBA likes right now. You know, back, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go way back. You guys probably weren't even born when, you know, a David Robinson comes out, uh, Patrick Ewing comes out. Uh, James Wiseman is, is an amazing prospect. But unfortunately, in the NBA, they never throw the big guys the ball. Uh, he's not a three-point shooter. Uh, so I'll be really curious how he fits in with a team like Golden State, who, who picked him, you know, second. James Wiseman is is a ridiculously talented big guy. Uh, America didn't get to see him last year because he only had a cup of coffee at Memphis before he before he chilled out for the rest of the year. But uh, complete stud, big guy. And but then you go online and the people who everyone's excited, the player everyone is excited about, is Lamelo Ball. Well. Okay, I'm just going to throw this out at you guys. I've seen LaMelo Ball on YouTube. Um, 
he, he went over to New Zealand and couldn't last two months. Yep. And <laughs> and ESP, ESPN, they call him a franchise point guard. And these are his improvement areas. Struggles to shoot. Shot uh, shot 25% from the three. Shoots, <laughs> shoots jumper with unorthodox mechanics. That's the second or third pick in the draft? So it, it, it was not I, – I, I wrote it. It was not a good draft. Uh, the only guy who really got me excited was James Wiseman, but uh, he, he would have got me excited 20 years ago because no one throws the big guys the ball. Do you agree – with the criticism of Anthony Edwards to this point? No. Uh, again, in this day and age with social media, if I say, you know, Jake Jake is the best putter I, I've, I've ever seen him come well, from Rhode Island. You'd, you'd be a blatant liar if that was the case. Okay. So. <laughs> but, 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 it, but if I say it and I have any kind of street cred, all of a sudden Jake's putting ability – would take on a great aura around New England anyways, maybe not the whole country. So, <laughs> so now, uh, because I couldn't even know who, who, I couldn't even tell you who got it started that Anthony Edwards quote, doesn't really love basketball. That's the knock on him. What yeah. the heck does that mean? He doesn't really love basketball uh, because he played Pac one or football as a kid and, and really liked football and then transitioned to basketball. And he's from what Georgia, that's a football state, obviously. He's a big time basketball player. He's totally committed to basketball at this stage in his life. Uh, I'm sure that's, that's what you're referring to that he quote, doesn't right, like, right. doesn't love basketball. I, I, I don't get that. I, I don't understand that at all. And as you guys just said, during the virus here, scouts hadn't really have a chance to, to see him and meet with him face to face. So how do you even know? Right. Yeah. It'd be an interesting season, which is, uh, Kind of crazy that it's around the corner. I mean, it's looking like uh, right before Christmas is the tip off of the NBA. So we'll get to, uh, you know, watch these new talents unfold. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's a smoother transition. Uh, to close out, though, because we have a few more moments, uh, you are a huge Rhode Island sports legend. Everyone in the media oh, idolized you. Come, 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 come on, come on, come on. Now, now you're going to make me laugh. Yeah. Calling it like it is, man. <laughs> but you are very respectable in the media and you know you have a great twitter presence covering all things new england tell us some of your favorite rhode island spots whether it's restaurants things to do uh you know favorite spot to grab a cup of coffee wherever our listeners can go grab their favorite uh kevin mac mcnamara rhode island hits wow wow well first of all i spend an awful lot of my time golfing if you ever get a chance we are blessed with so many great golf courses in Rhode Island. For whatever reason, 100 years ago, uh, Donald Ross is an all-time great uh, designer. He came into the state and he basically went up and down Narragansett Bay and in almost every town grabbed a great piece of land with an ocean view and said, Here's, we're going to put a golf course here. So whether it's Newport Country Club or uh, Warwick Country Club or Rhode Island Country Club, uh, Point Judith down in Narragansett, Juana uh, Moisit in Rumford is, is maybe the best of them all. Uh, we're blessed. So I spent a lot of time golfing. Uh, Food-wise, uh, I spent a lot of time in Narragansett. I love the Coast Guard house. Um, uh, uh, a trio down there. Uh, there's a great place in East Providence called the Red Bridge Tavern. Hmm. And the Red Bridge is, is, a, is a mom and pop operation with great food and the locals. I like to hang with the locals. I, I don't, I don't go to the uh, Coast Guard house all the time. I like the locals too. Um, I, you got me started. There's a million places. I, I, I know, I know a place I'm from Rhode Island. I know a place in almost every city and town that, that, that I could go to. So you name the town and I might throw one at you, but it's, it's tough off the top of my head. Kevin, real quick, before we let you go, you're a golf guy, right? And your foursome is Andy Katz, Tim O'Shea, and Yanni Caracas, who's winning that matchup? <laughs> that's too easy. Me. <laughs> that's I, I. I've played with all three of them. That's not a contest. Uh, wow, that's a. Th I, I wonder what Yanni's going to have to say about that. And Tim too. <laughs> Tim, Tim knows for sure. Uh, Yanni, I think I've only played with once. Uh, he's on the rise, right? Yanni's on the rise, but. Um, I, I got that, that, 
We need to come up with a different uh, cast of characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much. We got a, about a minute left here. Uh, where can our listeners find your content and engage with you on social media? Yeah, please. Um, KevinMacSports.com. KevinMCSports.com. Uh, the website is free and open right now. It will not be free and open uh, if we have a basketball season. Um, probably put up a paywall sometime in December. Uh, it'd be well worth uh, the $50. Uh, you probably paid 80 times that uh, to read my stuff at the Providence Journal. So this is, this is a deal. Um, the 401 podcast is available off that website, but also on, you know, uh, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Had a great conversation today with Mike Gorman. Uh, that'll be uh, this week's podcast. Um, but uh, Kevin McNamara 33 is my um, Twitter. Uh, and, you know, I, I do like to tweet. That, that, that's the one social media uh, th that I've fallen into okay. And I like to be a little smart ass once in a while, but uh, you know, what sports guy doesn't. And uh, guys, I, th this has been a lot of fun. I'd be happy to do it again, but please just make sure that there's a season, a college basketball season. And that was Kevin McNamara, 401 podcast, Kevin Mac sports. Uh, great conversation with him, you know, talking to him, he is definitely one of those old souls that just have experienced so much with college basketball and New England sports. And we're very, we're looking forward to listening and watching his content in the near future. Um, you know, he is a staple of Rhode Island sports and really looking forward to hearing his insight. And he brought up a lot of great points and it just makes me even more excited for the season with college basketball. And let's hope fingers crossed that everything runs smoothly. That was his last line for a reason. And it was almost ironic that the zoom ran out at that point because we're like, well, shit. I mean, he's exactly right. We desperately need a season. So let's see if we get one. Um, I listened to the episode of Dick Vitale on the 401 podcast. Great guy. Uh, Dick is the most accomplished basketball analyst and coach. I think, um, you know, that's alive right now. And I tweet at Kevin and Dick, like, hey, great work on this podcast or something like that. And Dick Vitale retweets me at 2 a.m. on a Friday night or a Saturday night or some shit. I go, what? What is he doing? Why is he up? So leave it to your imagination, folks. That's a fun story. I will never forget that. Dick Vitale retweet me at 2 a.m. Come on, man. I love him. But, oh, only the most fun things. Uh, college basketball on Wednesday. Bryant at 1 p.m. Uh, that'll be fun. Providence at 2. Big day for Rhode Island. And then URI is going to play some elite opponents like Arizona State and what would have been Baylor and Villanova probably. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Big for URI. Um, let's go into Positivity Corner and then we will close things out. Yes. So Positivity Corner. Uh, speaking of our conversation with Kevin as – Jake mentioned our zoom ended and it's unfortunate I mean we don't we're we're not balling yet we can't have you know unlimited zoom and pro zoom but good thing that zoom this holiday season will be lifting its 40 minute time limit for Thanksgiving so families can hang out together so obviously the pandemic has impacted a tremendous amount of you know, daily life and regular activities and the holidays are uh, to be included into that list as well. And, you know, you're not going to be able to see your loved ones and from far distance or have these large Thanksgivings or Christmases, but Zoom has decided to get rid of that 40 minute mark and be able to um, talk to your families as long as you want multiple family members uh, over a Thanksgiving meal and still be able to participate in the holiday spirit, even though you can't physically be there. So, you know, we're looking forward to it a lot, not only the holidays, but just this good news in general. Uh, we hope everyone stays safe and well during this Thanksgiving, you know, positive vibes and test negative. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's good to hear that, you know, although Zoom is a very profitable company and that they have these restrictions that they look past that and be able to uh, get rid of their limitations so people can spend time with their families. 
Damn right. Zoom better be. And their stock's probably going to skyrocket again. I can't believe every time we talked about them, we had the opportunity to buy it and we never did. So shame on us. But here we are. And we're not Zoom stock owners. So close the book on that. That's our show, folks. Episode 32 is in the books. Uh, Man, do we have a surprise great guest for you guys on episode 33. Beer. If you like beer and you like your phone, um, I would hang on tight to this episode coming up. A founder in the beer world. We'll leave it at that. And big name. You know where to find us on social media. We've been dropping a lot of stuff on the blog. Um, I don't think we've added anyone new since the last time we dropped some new names, but Jordan Laube killing it with the Cardinals coverage. We've got Jake Basterash on UFC uh, and then some more. And a lot of new stuff planned for 2021. So we're happy. And yeah, we're happy. The blogs keep coming. The social media posts keep coming. Um, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Get ready for the new year. We're going to be unveiling unveiling a lot of um, different creative stuff. This brand is growing faster than we ever thought, and we're very excited to see that. So keep your eyes on everything. We appreciate the love and support. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, thank you again. And from the both of us, we hope you have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you next week. Yes, indeed. Stay safe, wear your damn masks, wash your damn hands, stay six feet or 12 feet away from people. That's well, I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.